Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Just a heads up here. I don't know know if you're aware of this or not, but a Russian disinformation campaign is underway in America. Um, It is using everything from high-ranking lawmakers and government officials to lifestyle influencers, bloggers, uh, powerful state-run media outlets, and... um, their their focus is on the uh, the border situation, the fight between Texas and the Biden administration. Wired.com has obtained exclusive access to data from two separate disinformation research groups that demonstrate a coordinated Russian effort on Telegram, which is a social media platform, as well as Twitter, to sow discord by pushing the narrative that the U.S. is heading for civil war. The disinformation campaign began in earnest in late January, and it expanded after Russian politicians spoke out when the U.S. Supreme Court lifted an order by a lower court and sided with President Joe Biden's administration to rule that U.S. Border Patrol officers were allowed to take down razor wire that was put up by the Texas National Guard. By the way, Why do we allow government officials from foreign nations to have Twitter accounts when they don't allow Twitter in their own nations? Like, I kind of feel like that should be just a minimum standard, you know, if I'm Twitter, if I'm running Twitter. Like, I don't think that if you ban Twitter in China, China, like, I don't think then that you get to have accounts on Twitter. If you're from China, if you're from the Chinese Communist Party, right, you're from the government and you've banned my product in your country, then you don't get to use my product in my country. Because otherwise, right, you have an advantage over my people, right? And maybe that's the problem is that too many people don't view America, uh, America and its citizens as their own people, even like Americans don't view each other like this which is sad. But this is occurring. These, these Russians are, in fact, doing, these, doing this stuff. I've seen it. Okay? And so you can track this kind of sp- the, the spread, the viral spread of various messages and such. Establishing a uh, People's Republic of Texas is getting more and more real. You know who said that? Dmitry Medvedev. Remember him? He was the guy that became president after Vladimir Putin, like, stepped down or retired, you know, he, like, got, he, he did, like, his, uh, his two terms or whatever, and then Medvedev took over, and then Putin came back and hasn't given up since. Med, Medvedev is the deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council. He called the Texas border dispute, quote, another vivid example of the U.S. hegemony or hegemony getting weaker. Others chimed in. 
It's high time the American president, following in his predecessor Obama's footsteps, declares Texas must go and assembles an international coalition to liberate its residents in the name of democracy. That came from Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova on Telegram. Russian lawmaker Sergei Mironov offered Texas help. Quote, if necessary, we are ready to help with the independence referendum. And of course, we will recognize the People's Republic of Texas, if there is one. After these comments, state media, influencers, bloggers, all quickly got involved and amplified these messages. According to analysis that was shared with Wired.com by a company called Logically, a company that uses AI to track disinformation campaigns, quote, the idea of targeting highly contentious U.S. domestic issues and then amplifying them via their own channels is the standard Russian playbook for disinformation. Kyle Walter, the director of research for Logically, said that. Um, Russian telegram channels blew up overnight uh, with, this, uh, with these narratives. Uh, they started dialing into messaging specifically about the possibility that Texas could be an independent state, the possibility that there could be a U.S. civil war. I keep saying this. Like, you know, in 2016, Democrats believe that Russia gave that election to Donald Trump. Right. They think that Russia either went in and changed votes in voting machines or that they engaged in propaganda efforts that helped to take down uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, and make Donald Trump the president. And remember, the Mueller report did identify that there were, in fact, these groups that were operating and were fomenting this kind of discord. It was all over the Black Lives Matter stuff, though, the racial unrest and the rioting. And I've said it since then. Russia just wants chaos here. They will argue, and we have the evidence that they do, they take both sides of these uh, contentious issues because they don't care about the issue. All they want is the chaos. They want Americans at each other's throats because divide and conquer. It's amazing to me how people don't realize how we're being played like this by foreign adversaries. The convoys, uh, there was this uh, take our border back convoy. The Russian telegram channel and state media began to boost it. The convoy's official channels on telegram were also being infiltrated by Russian accounts. Some got removed. Some were called out by members of the group. And some of them were like, uh, you know, we are not Russian bots. You know, they're like <laughs> broken English saying that they're not uh, they're not from Russia. They want a civil war. They want chaos What's bad for America is good for Russia. What's good for China, right? That's, that's what they want. Russia's being uh, used extensively. Oh, hang on a second. Let me back up. The term, oh, the term free Texas in Russian was being used extensively on Twitter and almost exclusively by Russian accounts associated with the Internet Research Agency. Do you remember that group? The IRA? They were the ones that were running the 2016 election interference operation. These were the guys that, remember, they did one in Charlotte. They did, uh, 
a, a, a racial justice protest or demonstration and a counter. Like they would do, they would do both sides of the protesting. And they set one up here in Charlotte using a Facebook group. The IRA was a Kremlin-linked troll farm launched in St. Petersburg that gained notoriety for its role in attempting to interfere in the 2016 election. It was run by Yevgeny Prigozhin. Does that name ring a bell? He was a close ally of Putin. And he was the one who ran the Wagner Mercenary Group. Until he marched on Moscow. And then pulled back. And then remember they were like, oh, we're totally friends again. Not a mutiny. And then he died in a helicopter crash. Right? Yeah, that Prigozhin. That was the guy. One of the suspect accounts is called the Texan Independence Supporters. So just a heads up on that. Fomenting civil war. Um, or the Russians, which I now expect them to wade into the Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, because how could they resist, right? I mean, after yesterday, look, okay. I don't care about seeing Taylor Swift at football games. I don't know why this is such a problem for everybody. Not everybody, but some people. Why, why is this such a problem to see Taylor Swift in a, in a suite cheering for her boyfriend? I, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Is this like a Giselle Bunchen, Tom Brady kind of a thing? Like, I'm totally fine with the cutaway shots going to the suite showing a whole bunch of young, attractive women uh, cheering. I'm okay with that. Who's not okay with that? <laughs> I don't get it. Somebody somebody educate me on what, what the problem here is. By the way, did you see the, uh, the Jesus ads yesterday, the He Gets Us ads during the Super Bowl? It's angered people on the left and right. It's just like, what, what are we calling, by the way, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Is it Tay Trav? Tay Trey? I feel like she gets top billing. She gets the first name, right? Taylor Swift, she's the billionaire. So I think she gets the first name in that combined name, like Benifer. But though J-Lo should get first billing, too, because I think she's more wealthy than Ben Affleck. I, I did think their Dunkin' Donuts commercial was pretty funny yesterday, too. That's pretty good. All right, so the Super Bowl yesterday, uh, the ads that were on uh, during the Super Bowl, always, you know, a lot of fun to watch those. I think they were all pretty good this year. There weren't, uh, I mean, there were a couple of, eh, you know, whatevers. I like the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, the uh, the Neba. That was a good one. I thought it was kind of cute. Um, but there was a lot of outrage over the He Gets Us uh, ad. And you'll recall they did these ads last year as well. He gets us. And last year, one of the advertisements uh, that ran showed scenes of violence and disorder. And uh, it popped up with the words at the end, Jesus loved the people we hate. And it was, uh, and people were like, what is this? And it was connected to an evangelical Christian website called He Gets Us. And the ads used last year black and white photos of recent events to project Christian values onto modern life. And uh, they alternatively uh, portrayed Jesus as a canceled influencer, 
as a refugee, a struggling worker, right? And so there were a couple different spots that ran, and they got outrage uh, responses from AOC on the left and Charlie Kirk on the right. And to the lefties, they were like, why would these Christian groups spend all this money on a Super Bowl ad? They could have used that money to feed the poor, right? And then on the right, Charlie Kirk was saying that uh, this is pandering to liberals and uh, that the images conveyed a pro-lefty sentiment. And that's essentially the same argument that we're seeing after yesterday's Super Bowl ad. Um, And I noticed this, too, as I was watching it. It it ran one minute, the first one. I think they had another one that aired later and that was shorter. But the first ad they ran, uh, it played some music underneath, which was like a remake of uh, In Excess. was, you know, Two Worlds Colliding. Never tear us apart. And it was a nice song. It was a pretty song. And it's just showing different images. And I they almost looked like they were AI generated, but I I, I couldn't be sure. They kind of some of them look like almost like paintings, but very realistic paintings. And each one of them show one person washing the feet of another person. Okay. And the first image shows like this almost like a Norman Rockwell kind of a setting. A dining room table and a young man with like bleached blonde hair washing the feet of some older gentleman in a cardigan button up sweater while uh, two women are behind them at the dinner table. Um, And then the uh, so and that one runs for like five seconds. Then the next uh, the next image, it's again, it's like a AI painting slash photograph looking kind of image. Then you see a big cop who's on his knees washing the feet of a young black guy with like a muscle shirt. And he's, he's washing his feet with a water bottle, a water bottle. Then there is uh, these two girls that are sitting on the floor in a, a school, like high school hallway in front of like the, um, the uh, trophy case, you know, and they're sitting there and there are all these other kids standing around them. But these two girls are sitting on the floor and one of the girls is wearing like some sort of, you know, preppy. I guess she's like sort of the cool kid. And then there's the other girl who's like the not in the cool crowd. And so this girl's washing the non-cool kid, uh, her feet. The next one here is like some white rancher guy washing the feet of an indigenous person, uh, his feet. The next is some protester outside of a family planning clinic. Don't call it abortion clinic. Washing the feet of a young woman, I guess, who's going in to get an abortion. Um, Then the next is like some older woman with a younger daughter. And like they're in some like house that's got alcohol bottles all over the place. and, And they're sitting on the floor together. Here's another one. White guy washing the feet of some environmentalist who's got some signed clean air now, and there's like some oil rigs behind them, and he's washing her feet. And then here's one where there's a whole bunch of migrants on a bus, and a woman's washing uh, one of the migrants' feet, uh, one of of her foot, one of her her feet, a foot. Uh, Then there's a woman with the hijab, you know, Muslim head scarf over her head, and a woman... Uh, with a guy who's like got like uh, he's in the background and he's got like a, the flannel shirt and the trucker hat. 
So his wife is washing the Muslim woman's feet. You get the idea here? You're starting to get the sense of things? Here you got a, a black woman washing the feet of a Hispanic woman during a protest. You got two old guys sharing a, they got a big tub, they got to feed her in it together. And then here's one of like a Catholic priest washing the feet of like a gay or, uh, yeah, I guess he's like an LGBT guy because he's got like some roller skates and whatever. Anyway, you get the idea. These are the images. And then it says, Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. Outrage ensues. Um, got an email here to Pete at the Pete Callender Show from Andy, who says... What's next? First, I find out you don't support Trump. Then you sa- then you said you liked the Duncan commercial. Who are you? Next, I'll find out George Soros is funding your podcast. That's- <laughs> I've already told you he is. <laughs> uh, he is not. I'm just kidding. He's not. No. How how could you not mention the Mr. T commercial? That was the only one with any redeemable qualities. That was a funny one too. The Mr. T commercial was a funny one. Um, Terry says on the He Gets Us ad, where does their money come from? That would explain what is going on. So the money comes from, for these ads, the He Gets Us uh, campaign. The money comes from anonymous donors, but one of them has been identified as the Hobby Lobby guy, the owner of Hobby Lobby. I think he's like one of the biggest, if not the biggest funder of this effort. Um, but the uh, the ad that ran yesterday during the Super Bowl uh, with the uh, called foot washing, where it shows all of these different people washing the feet, there is, it is noticeable because all of the people that are humbling themselves to do the foot washing and to act as Jesus did, Right, they all kind of, sort of fall along one kind of political line. Right, it's the cop washing the feet of the young black male. Right, it's the abortion clinic protester washing the feet of the young woman going in for the abortion. It's the oil rig worker washing the feet of the environmentalist. You, you get the right. It's all going in one direction. Okay. Now now think about this though. Maybe maybe the right is not the audience for this. Right now. I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying I believe this, but Joel Berry um who is the managing editor of the Babylon Bee He says there's a reason that the He Gets Us commercial doesn't show a liberal washing the feet of someone in a MAGA hat or a Black Lives Matter protester washing a police officer's feet, right? That would have actually been subversive because they're strictly following the oppressor-oppressed intersectionality guidelines in these images, and so he says, this tells me one of two explanations applies. Number one, they're trying to sell Jesus to leftists by hinting that Jesus thinks just like them. 
I can see that. I can see that as an explanation. They're trying, like, think about it. If the the founder of Hobby Lobby is the one funding a lot of these efforts, I don't know, how, you know, what kind of editorial control he has, but ostensibly, you're kicking in all this money to try to bring the message of Christ to as many people as possible. You're buying ads during the Super Bowl, and you're trying to introduce Christ to people that otherwise might not have any kind of a relationship with him. And so this kind of makes sense. Like, hey, lefties, we know you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but he's just like us. Check it out. And it's got the lefty in the position of having their feet washed. Now, of course, I saw pointed out a lot of people, they're saying, well, Jesus also told everybody, you know, go and sin no more. <laughs> that's the that's the... It's the thing afterwards where you you reject the sinning part. Like, okay, but maybe they're trying to sell Jesus to lefties by saying Jesus thinks like you, and that's gonna that's gonna get them in the door. In which case, then okay, right? I, but that's a good thing. Or the other explanation is that they're just using Jesus to sell a political movement. And that would be really cynical. <laughs> so that's... Uh, mm. Yeah, I can kind of see that too, though. But why wouldn't you have just done the same types of images to show all of it, right? To have the cop washing the protester's feet, but also the protester washing the cop's feet. Make it go both ways. Why not? All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out going over this ad from he gets us um and the organization that is funding this campaign this he gets us campaign uh they say they they take money from christians and non-christians alike and so joel berry with the babylon b he said that uh, on Twitter, he said, there's a reason the commercial doesn't show a liberal washing the feet of somebody in a MAGA hat or a Black Lives Matter protester washing a cop's feet. That would have been actually subversive because they are strictly following the oppressed versus oppressor intersectionality guidelines. And this tells me that they were either A, trying to sell Jesus to leftists by hinting that Jesus thinks just like them, or B, cynically using Jesus to sell a political movement. He says, since the campaign admits that it is funded by both Christians and non-Christians, I'm thinking that the answer is actually both. And it's framed in this devilishly clever way to where anybody mad about the commercial is made to look like they are preachers of hate, angry at the very idea of foot washing. A deceptive, nasty, passive-aggressive, but effective tactic. Then there was Andrew Walker. 
Andrew Walker is um, ethics and public theology professor at Southern Seminary. He says that he gets us ad framed evangelism with a a leftward tinge, communicating the respectability of certain sins over others in our culture. Although I'm not sure the ad even communicated that the respectable sins were sins at all. It's curious that Jesus never showed up washing feet at a MAGA rally or a truck stop porn store in Alabama or a dilapidated, drugged-out factory workers in Ohio or a white nationalist militia meeting in Michigan. Right? If Jesus really is for all sinners, we should want right-wing racists converted as well, right? I mean, yeah. How would we respond to Jesus washing the feet of somebody outside the Capitol on January 6th? What if that was one of the images? The socially high-status sins of the left are the ones Christians are told to evangelize, not the low-status sins of the deplorable right, because, it seems, they are the ones truly outside redemption's reach. Jesus loved the outcast, the broken, of course, and so should we. That's the beauty of Jesus. There is no partiality in the degree or type of brokenness in need of his redemption. The conditioning effect of these commercials in framing and reaffirming the social castes of American sin, however, is really something to see. The truth of the matter is that Jesus redeems sinners from both the right and the left, whether high status or low status. Everyone is equal in their need for Christ. That could have been communicated in these ads, but wasn't. And that's really, to me, like the, that's the disappointing thing. Like, for example, I thought the ad for Hallow was good. I thought that was a way more effective ad, and I almost got the sense like, holy cow, wait a minute, we got Marky Mark pitching a, a devotional app? And I've seen, by the way, ads for Hallow before. Jordan Peterson uh, advertises for them, but they obviously put a bunch of money on a Super Bowl ad for this app called Hallow for people to get their devotionals and, uh, and to get lessons and Bible study readings and all sorts of stuff that's on this app. And they got Mark Wahlberg to, um, to be their ambassador on their ad yesterday during the Super Bowl. And I'm just trying to think back like this— um, to just stop, even if I'm not crazy about the way the ads were uh, executed for the He Gets Us campaign so far, like even if I can detect this undercurrent of leftism that makes me very suspicious, you know, I do recognize how big of a change this is in my lifetime, that you would actually see things with some sort of a religious connotation calling people to be more religious. The fact that you would even see this in a Super Bowl spot, not, not even in a Super Bowl spot, but on television. And I understand people are made to feel kind of uncomfortable also because uh, too many of the football players after the game were talking about God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, I'm trying. I I don't know if I can recall any other events of this cultural importance. And look, let's be honest the the Super Bowl is is really like the last culturally unifying event that we all celebrate together. It's not the holidays anymore so much, right? Because everybody's got the different holidays and you can't say Christmas, but you can, you can say it. But, you know, well, thank you, Donald Trump, because, right, because before Trump, we could not say it, but then we could say it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The whole point here is that uh, we lose these things. That's what sports provides us is this, these, dare I say it, safe spaces outside of culture wars, outside of politics, where you can... You can watch the game. You can watch the sport. And you just pull for some team based on nothing other than the colors or the mascot or the city they're from or whatever. That's it. Tradition or underdogism, whatever. And that's why you know I argue and, and, and push back against uh, the infusion of politics into sports because it's, it's not necessary. It's damaging. Leave, leave the circus alone. Right? Leave the bread and circus. Leave the circus alone. You don't need to inject the politics and culture wars into the sportsing. It's not necessary. It's one of the last things, if not the last thing, that we all gather around. We can all watch and enjoy together, and it doesn't matter. I mentioned I watched the game yesterday with people that do not agree with me politically, and it didn't matter because the game was the game. That's all that mattered. We were interested in watching a good game, and none of us were fans of either of the teams. And none of us really minded seeing Taylor Swift in the suite. That's it. It was all right. I mean, look, and again, like, I, and I don't understand why everybody hates on Taylor Swift. I'm totally fine with the NFL being now more attractive to young uh, girls. That now young girls can watch games with their dads and brothers. Like, I don't know why everybody's so mad at everything all the time. Anyway, all right, stick around. Brett Winnable's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>